I just had a completely different feel for the second half. You know, I was pushing and working hard, but I really felt different. And I think it was because I had a, a really proper pace plan and I stuck to it. That was Jane Quinton, and this is episode 91 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Jane Quinton is a 56-year-old runner from Winnipeg, Manitoba, who, despite not taking up running until her late 40s, has already qualified for Boston four times and ran the iconic race twice. In this episode, we dive deep into the weeds of how Jane has become even smarter about her race execution as she's continued to gain experience in the sport. A few weeks ago at the Fargo Marathon, Jane pulled something off that I've only ever seen at the elite level. She ran perfectly even splits of one hour, 56 minutes and 52 seconds for the first and second halves of the race, finishing in a time of 3.53.44 and qualifying for Boston with an 11 minute and 16 second buffer. Being successful in the marathon requires more than just superb aerobic fitness. It requires discipline and patience early on in order to have something left to fight with over the final 10K. And we couldn't think of anyone better to talk about this with than the marathon pacing queen herself, Jane Quinton. Okay, well, we are here with marathon runner extraordinaire, Jane Quinton. Jane, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Kim and Carolyn. Thanks for having me. We are really, really excited for this conversation. Um, As a coach, race execution is something I bang on and on and on about, especially in long races like the marathon and longer, right, Kim? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so you, Jane, have learned a thing or two in your time as a marathoner that uh, I think that we can all really benefit from. So I couldn't think of anyone better to talk with than you. So let's start by getting to know you just a little bit better. You have a pretty full life outside of running from what we understand. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm Jane Quinton. I'm 56 years old and I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I was born here and have lived here all my life, uh, with the exception of some travel that took me overseas in my early 20s. A bit of a fun fact, I I worked as a professional model back then and traveled all over the world for a number of years before returning home to marry my husband, John, and raise our family. Uh, I have two grown daughters, Annie and Laura, and a golden retriever, Elsa. I work full-time now as a sales assistant at CIBC Wood Gundy and really love what I do. I also volunteer at Rossbrook House, which is a neighborhood drop-in center in inner city Winnipeg. And um, I'm also a run leader with City Park Runners and Winnipeg Run Club. And I'm excited to join the race committee for WFPS Run this year. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Wow. Awesome. So it sounds like <clears throat> you wouldn't be on this podcast if running wasn't a big part of your life, but running really is a big part of your life. You you uh, volunteer and you've, you've um, found ways to give back and get involved. So tell us how it all began. When and how did you ever get into running in the first place? 
Um, well, I wasn't always a runner. I did uh, run track in junior high. Um, I remember having some success with uh, high jump. I'm, I'm really tall. Uh, and the 1500 meter. Uh, I did all the sports really in, in school, basketball and volleyball, uh, right through high school. And while I've always been active throughout my adult life, I didn't take up running really until 48. Yes, Ooh. 48. <laughs> and I have my uh, big brother, Glenn, to thank for that. Uh, Glenn lives in Vancouver and has always been into running. Uh, he's run the Manitoba Marathon, the Vancouver Marathon, New York and Boston a few times, I think. Uh, he started later in life as well. Um, and in 2015, I remember him telling me about the Lululemon Seaweeds Half Marathon in Vancouver. Uh, it's held in the summer. And might I want to run it with him? Um, and that's a tough race to get into. Uh, it fills up instantly. So when I finally committed, the race was full, of course. Um, so we found bibs for sale on Kijiji, I think. Oh, um, awesome. And I ran that race as, um, I'll never forget her name, Brianna Vanderhelm, 26, from Vancouver. <laughs> so if you're listening, Brianna, thanks for the bib. <laughs> did you get her a good time, though? That's the real question. I, I did. I think I finished uh, in about, oh, exactly two hours. That was my first crack. That's at great. Summer. At 48 years old. Ah. Yeah. yeah, but in the lead up to that, I thought, this is pretty scary. I have to I have to get the feel of a big race. So I decided to run the 10K at Manitoba Marathon um, with uh, my daughter Annie. And uh, we we had we had a lot of fun doing that. And I remember crossing that finish line at the 10K and just thought, I've got to do this again. This is this is really this is really fun. And maybe I could run a bit longer. Excellent. Okay, well, that gives us a little entryway into your origin story with running and and that it sounds to me like it's just oozing with fun. It, would that be fair to say? Like, did you and Annie have a lot of fun at that 10k? And then what was it like with your brother Glenn at Seaweeds? Oh, just amazing. And, you know, people have often said when you cross the finish line at a marathon, it changes you. And um, that is exactly what I felt. Um, and I think I've run five Seaweeds marathons in total. And the kids have run with me. Um, I have a cousin in California, Ginny, who, who has come to Seaweeds a number of times. And, they, and we've just had the best time. It's all about fun. Exactly. Okay. Well, so when did wanting to run your first marathon come onto the radar? Well, um, I decided after talking to Glenn, he said to me, you know, if you ever want to run a full marathon, I will fly anywhere to run it with you. So um, nice. I took a move on that. We we registered for the uh, Manitoba Full in 2016. Okay, whoa, stop. Your brother told you he'd fly anywhere <laughs> with you for your first marathon, and you chose the Manitoba? Yes. You didn't choose like something in Europe or, you know. <laughs> I had no clue about anything at that point. Really not a hot clue. So we, no offense to Manitoba. No, no, not at all. Um, 
we registered to run that race. And I remember loading up the Nike Plus run app on my phone and away I went. Yeah, I had no real connection at that point to the the wonderful Winnipeg running community. I didn't really know they were out there. That sort of came later. But um, I pushed through and we ran that race. That was a 409 was my my first full. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So that was 2016. And then you obviously had a good experience. You and your brother, did you run the whole way together? We did. He's a lot faster than I am, but he ran the entire uh, way with me. And I, I think when I started, I thought, oh, you know, my goal is a, my goal was a 355. And of course that 355 pacing group left us in the dust. Um, I don't know at what point, but um, it was, it was, it was a really wonderful experience to, to cross the finish line together with him. Okay. So at what point then did you say, I want to do this again, and I want to take it a little bit more seriously? Well, um, fast forward a few months and we ran the Seawees that summer in Vancouver. And then uh, I decided to uh, register for the uh, WFPS half Mm -hmm. and reached out to someone I'd heard about in the running community, uh, Jonathan Torchia, and he might be able to uh, help me step it up a bit with my running. And I really had no clue what that even meant at that point or what it would mean. But I just thought, this is something I'd like to I don't know, improve, improve on. And, and I'm a little bit competitive. So the idea, it was, it was a challenge. And I thought this will be, this will either be fun or it won't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So walk us through his first training cycle with you. So that was for the Fargo marathon in 2017. Yeah. So what did you do differently from your training for the Manitoba? Oh, there was, um, you know, I had I had connected with the uh, Winnipeg Run Club at that point, and so I had friends to run with, and uh, a training plan. Uh, I'm a numbers girl, so I really love a spreadsheet with a with a week at a glance and and uh, fitting everything in where where it should. I enjoyed being accountable to a coach and the, and the back and forth of it all, and the challenge really was something that that appealed to me. I had a goal in sight for that race and um, I achieved it. It was really, really fun to do that. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit more about this this race. How did it go? I, I never that was my first year in 2017 running the Fargo uh, marathon and it's it's great fun. You start off inside the Fargo Dome and, you know, run outside and, and um, it's got the feel of um, a big race. It's a great crowd support. There are bands along the route. And there was also a great group of Winnipeg runners who were there um, for the weekend. So, yeah, so it was, it was just fun. And um, I, you know, I had a great race, the weather cooperated, I've had really good luck with all four of my Fargo races, the weather has been um, on the cooler side for each of them. I remember I had one really rainy race, but uh, that race in 2017 was the weather was just ideal. So 
Okay. So knowing that you had in 2016, you'd done a 409 with your brother and you didn't have a hot clue what you were doing. You're using the app. Now you've stepped things up. You've got a coach. Uh, you're, you're a little bit more serious. We know you're a competitive person. So what kind of expectations did you have going into that one? I was, I was feeling pretty confident at the start line, knowing I had put in the work. I think that was, that was the big thing uh, for me. And I really, I really didn't know what to expect, to be honest, because um, I'd had a, a successful first marathon and I thought, well, if this is, if, if this is a better time and I do well, then great. I really okay. had not a whole lot to, to compare it to. All right. Okay. And so I've got it up here. You finished that race in 354.07. So that, the last time I checked, is over 10 minutes. That's about 12 minutes faster than you ran your first race. So um, how did it feel? Like, What were the major differences between Marathon 1 and Marathon 2? Um, well, a solid training plan. I had, you know, I had enlisted the help of a, of a coach and that was working really well for me. Uh, so that was, that was the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was, uh, strength training as well, which is something I hadn't done before. You know, I was a little more knowledgeable on, uh, fueling, hydration. Those are things that mm-hmm. just weren't, weren't a part of my vocabulary when I, when I started, um, mm-hmm. Even here, I remember in when I ran Manitoba, Manitoba Fall, I had on a pair of just you know, grabbed a pair of socks the morning of the race out of my drawer, and um, I was running part of the way with wet feet and ended up ended up with horrible, horrible blisters on both of my feet, mm-hmm. um, you know, for that race. So yeah, gear was a big part of it. Just everything basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're speaking to a lot of the things like it's not even the running stuff, right? It's the, it's the gear and yes, exactly. So it sounds, and again, that's, that's the beautiful thing about hiring a coach is that they can help you navigate some of those things that are, aren't just the running things. And so I I also have up here and we're kind of going to do this as we go through your, your marathon career here is looking at how you execute races. So Fargo does a nice job of showing you like what your halfway split was. So you finished that race in 354, as we mentioned, and you went through the halfway about 154 and change. So like I'm a, I'm kind of a numbers person like that too. And so when I look at how somebody executed a race, I'm like, you know, was it an even, like, did they run the second half sort of similar to the first or did they slow down in the second half or did they speed up in the second half? And so Going through in 154.21 would give you a projected finish time if you kept the exact same pace of 3.49 and change. And you ended up finishing that race in 3.54. So not bad. That was a a positive split, we would call it. The second half was a little bit slower, but not by much, four minutes and 25 seconds. So again, for your second marathon, I think that is like pretty well executed. How did it feel? It felt wonderful. It really yeah. did. Um, I I have to say though that I I did go out too fast in that race, so really struggled towards towards the end. It was a tough finish. I really had to push. Um, I was in the in the pain cave for a while. I remember, but um, when you do 
turn that corner and run into the Fargo Dome and cross that finish line. There's, there's just no better feeling. So this is interesting to me. So you said you were happy with the race. You know, we see it was a negative split, but not, or sorry, positive split, but not huge. But what you're speaking to is how hard you had to work for it. The effort level was significantly more in the second half than the first half. Is that why you feel like you went out too fast? Like I'm, I'm kind of thinking, how do you know you went out too fast other than looking at a spreadsheet? The big difference with my, my finish, my race this year was I just had a completely different feel for the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pushing and it, while it was hard, I, I was comfortable you know, in the comfort, you know, I was pushing and working hard, but, but, um, I really felt different this race. And I think it was because I had a, um, a really proper, uh, pace plan and I stuck to it. My, My friend who I was running with, you know, he kept calling me the pace police because I would really be keeping us trying to keep us on track right from the start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're speaking right now to the 2022 race, the one you absolutely nailed. Just going back to the 2017 one for a second, where you positive split by four plus minutes. What I find interesting about that. So you said you could feel like it was a struggle at the end, like you could feel the pace slowing down. But again, like in the context of a marathon, four minutes and 25 seconds really isn't, mm-hmm. isn't that much. But what's interesting to me is that you qualified for Boston that year <laughs> with over a six minute buffer yeah, for Boston. So again, not your first marathon, but pretty much the first one you trained for seriously and you qualify for Boston. What was that like? It was really exciting because, um, you know, I'd heard about the race and my brother had run it a few times. And, you know, if I was going to have a goal, it may as well have been Boston, right? So I, you know, I was really thrilled and excited and had every intention of running it the next year. I was just, it was, it was a thrill. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you walk us through, take us to, because now this is less than a year later, you were, you were running Boston, right? So we're talking May, 2017. That's where you're, where you qualified. And then, uh, April, 2018, you show up at the start line for the Boston Marathon. And just for anyone who doesn't follow the weather at every year of the Boston Marathon, like some of us do, that was the year that it was this trifecta of like terrible, terrible conditions, like cold, rain, sleet, wasn't it? Raining sideways and like minus, did it feel like minus three or something like that? It was just awful. I think it was. But the good thing about that and I guess my edge was um, I had trained through the winter and it was a cold winter that year and all my long runs were done outside so you know three pairs of pants toe warmers hand warmers you know you name it Um, so the cold was not going to phase me and I'd also really on the on the advice of my coach um his advice was there's only so much Janie you can control right whether we can't control bring everything so I had thermal tights I had shorts I had mm-hmm. you know you name it um all different weights of jackets and I kept sending when we were in the hotel I kept sending my daughter down to the lobby to check out because the fast runners were leaving earlier than I I had to go to to catch my bus. I said, go Annie, go see what they're wearing. So she'd come back with reports of, you know, people 
wearing, you know, garbage bags for pants because it was like raining by that point. And, and uh, she said, I don't see too many people in shorts, mom. There's a lot of tights. So I was, you know, I changed about 15 times, but I wore thermal tights, which I never in a million years would guess that I would race in and uh, a few different layers up top. So it was just, it was perfect, you know, mitts. And the thing that saved me for the first 12 miles was the dollar store rain poncho that uh, really kept me, uh, kept me dry for the first eight or 12 miles till the hood kept filling up with water. Oh my. I had to have a stranger uh, help rip it off um, because it was just so cold. And oh my goodness. Um, I was, I think that's the race I'm most proud of because I remember standing at the, the start line thinking or saying to myself, you know, are you in? Because if you're, if you're in, you've got to really be in because this is, <laughs> this is going to be tough. But um, at the same point, such a thrill to be standing on that start line, like pinch me. I just looked around and went, I'm standing on the start line of the Boston Marathon. You know, it, it was, uh, it was just a thrill. Well, that is one thing I can definitely, I think, observe is that when the time I spent in Winnipeg taught me that Winnipegers have an edge. Now, time of year, you know, may vary, but we learn. I say we, I still consider myself a, a Manitoban. Um, learn how to run in anything. Like you can run, you have to learn how to run in minus 30. You have to learn how to run in plus 30. You have to learn how to flip it with two weeks notice when it goes from minus 30 to plus 30, as it did last year in May. You know, it's, and and you have a wardrobe to match too, right? You've got stuff for everything. Yes. And so your body may not be quite prepared necessarily for flips in temperature, but at least if you've been running for any length of time, you're, you've got experience and your mind has been there before, right? So good for you. Yeah. And I'm really quite impressed with how you sent a scout to see what people were wearing. I'm like, that's, that's actually really smart. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty impressed because uh, the year that I ran it, like if, if I had a had the conditions that you did in the year that I ran it, I would have had nothing like not even like one article of clothing would have been right. Like I didn't bring. So that was a great, uh, that was great advice from your coach uh, mm -hmm. to say like, bring it all because you just never know with Boston. I was like, nope, for sure. It's going to be a nice day. I've got my shorts and my singlet and that's all yeah. I had. So good for you. And, and so again, time wise, that was nothing necessarily to write home about. I'm sure like you were over four hours on that one, yeah. but it was a memorable one. And I bet you will never forget. I hope you bought the pictures. I would love to see some of those. <laughs> yeah. And the rain poncho was clear. So you could see my bib, bib um, beneath. And uh, it really did keep me, my core dry for quite a while and the rule was we are not stopping to walk because mm -hmm. um You'll cool down and right down but but yes. really it wasn't that bad wasn't do you prefer it? cold more than heat like is that your gem it is uh yeah. okay there we go yeah okay i i can see why you've switched to fargo <laughs> the manitoba <laughs> marathon but we'll get there we'll get there so in 2018 you went back to fargo for another crack so did you train with the same coach you'd done kind of added that next little step onto your training like every training cycle you most people sort of like bring in some other little thing that's going to you know step it up and get them to the next level so what did your training look like for that one going into 2018 well, for that one because i had just run boston 
um, then it was uh, a pretty quick turnaround time to Fargo. Right. So it was just maintaining. Mm-hmm. And because I felt good after Boston and I thought, well, why not? Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's, let's try to run Fargo. And so that's what I did. Okay. So I've got your stats here pulled up. And again, I'll, I'll do my best to walk the, the listener through this, but you go through halfway in Fargo 2018 in a time of 154.52. Yeah. So if we project that out, that puts you on pace to finish in 349. Mm-hmm. 44 and you were about six minutes slower than that so yeah. 355 so again what did that slight positive split did it feel kind of like the 2017 one well um there's a lesson in that for me about recovery um and that is even though you feel good mm. <laughs> your body is not ready to run another full right away um so that was kind of humbling for me because i was really tired when I finished that race. So maybe that was too, too soon to try and run um, another full right after, but uh, lesson learned. So what was the time difference between Boston and Fargo for you that year? How many weeks? Uh, well, that was April 18th to May, May 18th. So, so four weeks. Four weeks. Four yeah. Weeks. Yeah. Well, and I know some of these rules of thumb, you got to take with a grain of salt, but Carolyn, tell me if I'm wrong, but I was I always told that it's a week of recovery per 10 K of running. You kind of want to, um, judge for, but depending on effort level two, um, and training age that can vary. Training age. And it probably wasn't executed very well in terms of, um, pacing as well. I hadn't learned not to <laughs> go out too fast by that point, I think. So that may have contributed as well. So. so you said you were really tired. There was probably life happening in there as well. So talk to us about how you felt that, you know, that three, four, five days before the race. Did you feel race ready? Were you eager to race or was this kind of just a thing on I've got to get done work to do? I thought I felt okay. Um, okay. Again, you know, you can feel fine, but, but you know, not realize maybe that you may have needed a little bit more time uh, to recover. So uh, I thought I felt okay. I do remember running with a pace group um, that year and we were banking time, which I thought to myself, are we supposed to be doing this? Like I kept hearing we're two minutes or three minutes ahead of, we've got three minutes in the bank. And I thought, hmm, okay. Don't know if that's interesting. Well. Yeah, that's the temptation, right? Is to bank time. I'm feeling so good right now at mile one <laughs> of the marathon that I'll just run a little faster and bank some time so that when I get tired, you know, I can eat into some of these minutes. That's not the way the body works. Like oh, it's just I'm- not. <laughs> Ultra marathon runners are queens and kings of doing that for sure. Um, I wanted to just circle back to what I said there about a week of recovery per 10K. I want to clarify, I meant recovery until you feel ready to train again, not necessarily race ready, right? So um, if I can further explore this just a little bit more, like you say, you felt good, you went to the race, you realized after the takeaway might've been you weren't as recovered as you thought. Okay, that's that's after you realize that. Retrospectively, was there a tell? You know, was there any little thing that you were like, you know, if I'd really been paying attention to this, I might have realized it. And so that if this happens in the future, I might know that I'm not fully recovered yet. Mm-hmm. 
That's a really good question. <laughs> I'll, I'll um, leave that with you. If you can't answer it right now, maybe roll it around in your in your mind on your next run. Because there's always something. For me, it can be minor, minor inflammation in my feet. Like my veins aren't standing out the way they normally are. Or it can be appetite or it can be mental focus or it can be sleep. You know, there can be lots of little things that you realize your body's asking for or needing more than you're giving it if you just pay attention. That's that's very good advice. And and uh, I think something that I'm more in tune with now than I ever have been, um, yeah. I pay attention to those things. And I think that comes with experience too. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. I, for yeah. sure. Wasn't sure what to watch for, maybe to your point, Kim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've heard a lot of, um, I've, I've listened to a lot of podcasts with even some of the elite people from that day, that 2018 Boston. And they were like, I have never been so beat up from a race. It took them longer to recover than a normal marathon yeah. would. Um, even the people that interestingly that dropped out, like there was a lot of DNFs that day. And so maybe people only ran 20 miles and they still were beat up like they'd run the whole thing. And so, you know, that could have been playing into, you know, the marathon one month later in Fargo. So interesting. So if we're tracking along, you had, you know, your positive split of 425 the first year, and now a a little bit bigger positive split in in 2018 of 609. And that brings us into 2019. You were 53 years old. Back to Fargo you went. And uh, (laughs) how did that one go? (laughs) That was um, uh, that was a three fifty one, if memory serves, or just under three fifty two. Which is your PB, right? It is actually. It is again a, a positive split, right? Yeah. So I have it here as you went through halfway in one fifty one fifty eight, so almost one fifty two, which would project you to finish in three forty three. So something tells me you thought you were in excellent shape that year. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so had you done something different in your on. Yeah, no, I training had gone well again mm-hmm. and um I trained through the winter and it was it was nothing unusual. I just sort of felt really good and mm-hmm. and you went for it. I went for it, but again, not a strict pace plan, so I think if there had been maybe I I don't know. It's it's hard mm. to say. But um, clearly, I ran out of gas in the second half. <laughs> yeah. So this one was close to eight minutes, right? You're, yeah, so we've yeah. gone from like four to six to eight. So the positive split keeps getting bigger. Now, does the mm-hmm. feeling that you have, remember, on, even on the four-minute one, you're like, I could tell I was slowing down. I was running out of gas. What does an eight-minute positive <laughs> split feel like it in a marathon? You feel even worse in the second <laughs> half going out too fast is what it means. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. let's let's pause on this. Somebody might say, but Jane, you PR'd for goodness sakes. Like, what are you complaining about? You got a faster time than you ever have before. So, I, and I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you to explicitly state it. Why is it important to even worry about this execution part, this like positive versus negative thing? Why, you know, why... I guess. Okay. So I'll answer my own question. Like you're talking, you're talking about how the, how you felt during the race. Was it, did you have fun? Like did getting that PR feel as good to you, um, as you'd hoped it would? It did. It really did. That that felt good. Um, 
what was just such a joy this time around was just executing it in a way that I felt um, so good throughout the entire race. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was the difference for me, mm -hmm. even though it was a, you know, a bit of a bit slower time. Um, I just feel like with that execution and performance, there's so much to build on for me. And not saying that it's always going to be about faster times because there'll come a time where, you know, that that won't happen. And, and that's OK. It just I just felt like I really achieved something and improved in ways that that I've never been able to before. So we're jumping ahead again, and I know you want to go back to the next few races, Carolyn, but I think we have to note here, you're talking about how you had control over yeah. this last race, whereas in the previous races, yeah, you got the end result, but you might not have been as in control throughout the whole race as you had hoped you would be, right? Yeah. And, um, that's empowering to feel mm -hmm. like, like you just mentioned, I have something to build on. Right. And even though you might not keep PRing as you age, which let's be realistic, people, it's impossible to keep doing that as you age, you mm -hmm. have control in how you execute these races now mm -hmm. and who knows what's possible. So we're kind of alluding to this, this year one, but I'll just break it down for people. Cause you know, if you're following along, we've done the four minute positive split, the six minute positive split, the eight minute positive split. Oh, oh. And, and now in 2022, this is what Jane goes out and does. And we're going to talk about sort of your whole training and everything in a second, but you went out and you did a 353 and 44 seconds. Mm -hmm. You go through halfway in 156. 52. So this is quite a bit slower than you've gone through halfway in some of the, the other races. And what that projects is a finishing time of 353.54, which is exactly <laughs> the time you finished in. And therefore, your positive split was 0, 0, 0, 0. Like, Mm -hmm. exactly even split. I, in my entire life, have never seen anyone do this. I have never come close to doing this. I've never had an athlete come close to doing this. I think I've seen elites do it like once or twice. Mm -hmm. This is so rare. Like this is such a rare unicorn thing that you did that we need to spend a good few minutes talking about your race execution this year. So take us back to the beginning of your training for Fargo 2022. Did you do anything differently in that buildup? Yes. Uh, I, I think so much was different about this training cycle, um, starting with having your help, Carolyn, finding you as a coach. That was, that was the start. And then and I banged on, banged on about race execution for you for six months. <laughs> it finally sunk in. <laughs> and then, you know, everything from, I guess, increased mileage was one thing. I know we, that ticked up a bit, not tremendously. Um, we took the number of days that I was running and bumped that up as well, um, which I think was a big benefit for me. Spreading out the miles was a bit easier on my body. Whereas before I always thought, well, if I have more rest days, isn't that better? But um, no, uh, for me, we, we, we added another running day. So I was running uh, five out of seven instead of three to four, I was running five. Mm -hmm. So that was a big change. 
And for anyone listening there, like it does seem a little bit counterintuitive, but the idea is like your mileage was essentially the same, maybe a little bit higher as you alluded to, but to have three to four like really monstrous days compared to five shorter days is a lot easier for your body to actually take up and absorb. Yeah. You know, and it's also easier on as the, this is the physio brain coming out of me. You're talking about, you know, training load and, and, you know, recovery probably more, but also in your connective tissues. The first thing I do when people are injured is I'm like, I would rather you run 20K in a week with five 4K runs than two 10K runs <laughs> because exactly. your connective tissue just can't go in that kind of a hole and it takes it so much longer to come out of it. Yeah. So those micro dosing, micro loading, I mean, there comes a point it feels like macro when you're peaking, but it, yeah. it's important to spread that out. And uh, I guess the strength training and the non-negotiable, those lunge matrix and leg swings before every run. Dynamic warm up, you got to do it. Dynamic warm up religiously. I mean, whether it was in my basement on my treadmill or in the dead of winter, you know, uh, hanging onto the side of the car in a parking lot, doing them there, we always did them. So that was not negotiable. And the workouts that happened after the runs, which is something I've never done. So getting those workouts in on tired legs after easy runs, after hard runs, switching them up as well. Um, Keep your body guessing. Yeah, left me feeling, um, I think, as strong as I ever have and and injury-free. Like, this is the first training cycle where I haven't had a visit to physio for um, a nagging IT band or pain here or there. It just, I, it suddenly occurred to me that I hadn't needed to go. Like I just, I felt fine. That's amazing. That was a big change for me. Um, other things that, that I did differently, you know, fueling was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I switched up fueling, changed the gels, um, I was using, uh, to Morton, which, uh, worked really well for me and the frequency and amount before I worked with you, Carolyn, like in a race, I would have one every six miles maybe, or not even, um, mm-hmm. this like one an hour solid plan for, you know, one 15 minutes before the gun went off and then every 30 minutes thereafter. And, uh, that was something I practiced, uh, in my long runs leading up to Fargo several times, mm-hmm. uh, many long runs. And, um, that seemed to really work. Yeah. That fueling. I mean, the, the research is, is out on that. It's not about like mm-hmm. how little can I get away with? It's like, how much can I actually stomach? Because the, the upper limit is just how much your body can actually absorb and, and tolerate when you're out there exercising at the same time, but it can, it's trainable and you can, you yeah. can train that with, with practice and, and Kim, feel free to jump in because ultra runners like have this down pat, right? Like it's, it's a eating contest oh, with a little running thrown in, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, gel number, a- seven, gel number seven was a little hard to swallow. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I thought that one might've ended up on the pavement, but it didn't. Um, and, and I, I, you know, I actually felt like I had a little gas left in the tank at the end. So I think it was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. Um, so 
you alluded to it earlier that you were running with somebody. So let's talk about your training and racing partner and um, why he referred to you as the pacing police. I was lucky to have a friend to run with uh, and train with um, who had a similar uh, goal, pace and training plan, I think. My friend Daryl and I um, did most of our long runs together and it was just, um, it was really nice to have uh, someone to run with. And I kept us on track in terms of pace. Uh, That was sort of my job. And uh, because I always wanted to keep that in check and uh, when we were running Fargo, I would either, you know, give him the thumbs up, the thumbs down or the AOK sign. And he'd know that we were on track. So yeah. that worked really well. And it kept me, you know, honest too, especially in those early miles when we tend to sort of just go out way too, way too fast. So knowing that that was a mistake, well, I shouldn't say a mistake. Like that was an, that was the way that you'd executed in the past and we were going for a slightly different uh, execution this time. Was there ever anything in you that found it hard to execute on that plan, especially in the beginning when it is tempting to go out? Definitely. Look, that, um, I think um, our goal pace for the first couple of miles was a 9.15 mile and it felt so slow. Um, I think we were hovering, or hovering around a nine minute mile for the first couple. And it just, yeah, I thought, oh, this is really slow, but I promised, I promised myself and we, we stuck to it. So that was, that was a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So again, there comes a point if you're executing properly, there comes a point in the race where all of a sudden that same pace doesn't feel quite as easy as it did in those beginning miles. So where did that happen for you or did it happen? Um, It didn't really. I mean, it, it, it felt hard in that sort of, you know, mile 20, I think it always does. Um, it felt hard, but I also knew um, I was doing the math in my head and I knew that I had my uh, Boston qualifier at that point. So I was smiling too. So it, it was, it was, you know, it's good pain. It, it, it was hard, but it didn't, um, but I knew I had it in me. I, I did. Right. So there was never a time in the race where you thought, oh no, I'm going to fall apart. Like I'm, no. this is out of reach. Like it no. was okay. No. So I would say, well, I would ask you this then, is that a difference from some of the other years where there always came that point where the pace had to slow? And this year it was like, I know I can keep this up. Yeah. 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 I knew I could That's keep amazing. it. I knew I could keep it up. Yeah. All right. So what did it feel like crossing that finish line? Oh, fantastic. It was just, you know, um, at, at one point I thought, well, maybe I have a, maybe I have my PR, but that Fargo dome just seems so far away. Running. It's just, and then, you know, I thought, let me in the back door. You have to yeah. <laughs> wait go all the way around. Just, you know, if I could just cut through, that would be fine. But no, yeah. you went all the way around. And uh, of course, you know, everybody says, I felt like I was sprinting when I was crossing the finish line. Well, I wasn't, but, yeah. <laughs> but it sure felt good. I mean, it, I think by that point, you, you can't really feel your legs, but, um, but it sure felt great to, to cross that finish line, knowing that um, I'd uh, achieved. And we set, we set three goals and um, I, I got my, my B goal, which was um, wonderful. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. delighted with that. So I'm wondering, and, and I know all variables weren't the same in all these races. You had different 
coaching mm-hmm. and different strategies and more experience. But did you feel different after the race? You know, I'm thinking in the first literally minutes, hours, one to two days, do you think running that strategy of starting out conservatively and not digging so deep, both mentally and physically, improved your recovery after? Definitely. Yeah, I did feel different in the days uh, following. And I think that played a big part. Um, I think I'm more proud of um, race execution and just knowing I ran a smart race. You know, it wasn't just a fast race. It was just really a smart race. And, um, you know, I just feel like I've learned so much up to now. Um, and, and it left me hopeful, um, thinking like, okay, well, I felt really good. What what else am I capable Mm. of? You know, I have my sights set on maybe, maybe a 345, maybe that's doable. Um, maybe I can work on my speed a little bit this summer and, um, maybe that'll help. It's changed how I look at, uh, what will happen between now and my next race, which I think will be Boston in April. Um, for the first time, I'm thinking it's not just about the training block, but it's what I'm doing between now and then. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should mention here that uh, Jane <laughs> ended up qualifying for Boston with over 11 minutes, like a, with oh, some my. kind of like ridiculously like crazy buffer of what was it do you know the exact time 11 16 is the 11 16 so like you are firmly in if you want to go and that is extremely exciting so while it wasn't a pr like the reason that boston qualifying times become you know you were four hours and now you're 405 because you're that much older and the reason why they change in in those five-year increments is because most people lose a little bit of strength and speed and all of those things. And you've managed to slow the loss of those things uh, for lack of a better term to the point that your buffer, like you keep qualifying for Boston with more and more time as you're getting older because your training is getting smarter, which is just so exciting to me as a coach. When I think about what's possible for you and your longevity in the sport, everything that you're saying is pointing towards like, there's still more in you. Like you haven't hit your ceiling yet, you know? So that's extremely exciting. Now, after the race, you, you wrote the most awesome social media post. I had to read it like five times and it gave me goosebumps each time. But at the end of it, you said something like, um, if you need me, I'll be on cloud nine. (laughs) So I have to ask, are you uh, still feeling on cloud nine, uh, three weeks later? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I am. Um, and that's part of the, that's part of the fun of it all, um, is letting those post race feelings sink in, whether they're disappointment, gratitude, joy. Um, it's just, yeah, I'm, I feel extremely lucky to be able to, to do this, all the good feelings about the race still. So yes, yes, I'm still there. (laughs) Well, congratulations. You can be very proud of how you ran that race. Carolyn, I had no idea how rare it was, but I imagine zero 
zero zero zero zero is is yeah like that's that we're talking seconds here so um you you're obviously very good at following instructions <laughs> so good job not only jane but to team you know coach and jane because you guys put that together really really well Mm. So Jane, just because we've kind of really focused in on the the strategy of how you executed this race, do you have advice for someone who might be out there sort of chasing that elusive negative split or in your case, uh, the, the unicorn of an even split? Mm, I guess um, the one thing that I think really worked for me was to uh, hang out at that marathon pace a lot you know, really get comfortable being uncomfortable. I I didn't know if I'd be able to sustain marathon pace for that long a time. Um, but I had some pretty good practice runs, including the uh, Winnipeg Police half marathon right before Fargo. And that gave me a really good opportunity in a race setting, although it was a training run, to just see what race pace felt like not the whole time but for a good a good chunk of the time and um I did a lot of training as well on my treadmill I have to say it was a terrible winter (laughs) it was a terrible winter um I did my long runs outside there was only one or two uh 16 or 18 milers that I had to uh grind it out on my treadmill but um most of my speed workouts were done on my treadmill and I could really focus on the pace and got to know what marathon pace felt like. There was a lot of slow running as well. And I have to say that was something that was hard for me to really slow down and run those slow runs slow. You know, the old me would think that, oh, just the faster you run all the time, the the faster you'll be on race day. Well, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot of the, the, the details of how you, what you've learned over the years with your training. And you did mention that you are, you know, doing Boston next year. So, you know, what will you be focusing on and doing in the next, where are we at here? 10 months until next Boston marathon comes up. What kind of things do you think you're going to change or what are you going to keep the same about your training? Well, I'm going to maybe focus on building some speed. And in the upcoming months, I think what I'm most looking forward to, um, as Carolyn suggested to me, was was having a plan that is um, a little more unstructured and playful. So if if I can have fun uh, doing some speed workouts, still keep up my strength training, and um, Carolyn, I think you called it, you know, maintaining that floor, that base fitness uh, between now and then. I'll just be a better uh, version of me when um, Boston training starts, maybe mid December ish. Mm-hmm. Thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, and then there'll have to be some hills, lots of uh, mm. hill workouts, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hit the hills for Boston. <laughs> I really felt those hills when I ran Boston this this October. Honestly, they just killed me. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but I I just maybe wasn't as prepared as I I should have been for them. But uh, they're there and they're hard. Yeah, so. yeah, and it's challenging in Winnipeg, isn't it? To, it's to get those in challenging in Winnipeg, especially yeah. in winter. Downhill and downhill. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. 
That can so, be a whole other podcast in itself. We got, we should yeah. do something about that and sometime. Yeah. But yeah, everybody focuses on the up in the hills, but it's the downs mm-hmm. that actually where gravity multiplies through those legs and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't happen by accident that you get good at it. <laughs> okay, Jane, you're a longtime listener. So, uh, you know, what's next. Are you ready for rapid fire? I think I am. <laughs> okay. First question. Do you have a favorite mantra? Mantra. Okay. When I start my races, it's always settle in, relax. Mm. Like that's just the, the main thing is just mm-hmm. take a deep breath. And I always smile and say that to myself, settle in, settle in. Yeah. And then um, uh, it's just one mile at a time, Janie, you've got this. It's right. I talk to myself when I'm running. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Positive self-talk all the way. Okay. So what is your favorite place to run? Um, Kim, you'll like this. Um, the trails at Victoria Beach. Oh. Um, our family spends time in the summertime at Victoria Beach, which is um, about 120 kilometers north of Winnipeg, on Lake Winnipeg. And just a beautiful, beautiful trails, you know, throughout the woods and along the highway. And you can just lose yourself. It's, it's beautiful. Mm. That's sort of my favorite thing to do early morning. Um, and we had a lot of bears this past summer. So I would always, you know, early morning, you have to clap or sing really loud just so you're not, um, oh going to run into any, any bears along the way. And that's happened to me. So yeah, but it's wow. beautiful. It's favorite spot. I'm going to have to check out those trails. Yeah. Good tip. Do you have a race on your bucket list? Um, I did have the London Marathon on my list, and um, there were a few friends that had signed up for that race. And uh, with COVID, the list grew longer, and so I don't really know where we are with that. But yeah, it's something I'd like to do. It's fun for me to go and run uh, destination races. I I love to go and see a city and run through it. I think that would be, London would Mm. be wonderful to, to run. Absolutely. Okay. Do you have a favorite running book or movie? Running book, Dina Castor's Let Your Mind Run. That's uh, that's my favorite. And I was lucky enough, I met her in Chicago at the expo uh, in 2017. And I bumped into her in New York City for the marathon in 2019. No way. She's so nice. eh? She is very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Actually, fun fact, I watched, um, I'll maybe put this in the show notes too. Today, because I have a marathon coming up this weekend, I watched her Athens marathon in the Olympics in 2004, where she won the bronze medal. And it was super hot. And the race that I'm about to run this weekend, it's the Manitoba Marathon, it's going to be super hot. So I was watching it like for inspiration. And there's this little, you know, 10 minute compilation video of her just like moving up in the pack, moving up in the pack. She went out super conservatively and just like hunted people down. Like it was such a stellar execution. So I was watching that for inspiration today. So <laughs> she talks about that in her book too. Does, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Final question. Do you have a favorite post-run indulgence? Um, Well, the cold beer after the Fargo Marathon just tasted so good. Um, (laughs) Other than that, I would have to say probably um, tacos and wine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tacos. Uh, All the drinks and and good eats. (laughs) 
So Jane, um, if a runner wanted to connect with you or, you know, um, be inspired by some of your running endeavors, how could they find you? Are you on social media? I am. Um, I am on Instagram at Janie Q and uh, Facebook. Just look for me by my name, Jane Quinton and Twitter as well. All right. Well, we'll link to all of that in our show notes. And Jane, thank you again for coming on, for sharing this amazing story about mastering the marathon pacing. I know uh, people will have a lot to take away from this one. It might be one you got to listen to (laughs) twice, but uh, final congratulations on a super, super well-executed Fargo Marathon. And uh, we can't wait to hear how it goes for you in Boston. Thanks so much for having me. 